So if you say black's white, I've got to agree with you that black's white. And, 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 and it's kind of where life goes and life cho choices go. It's like, well, that's up to them. Well, that's up to them. Who am I? Da, 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 da. And in the middle of all that, the annual suicide rate in the United States of America increased 30% between 2000 and 2020. An estimated 21 million adults in the United States had at least one major depressive episode last year. That is 8.4% of all adults in our country. 51% of young Americans say they feel down, depressed, or hopeless. And here's my take on the world we're living in right now. Somebody needs to be the child who says, this isn't working. Someone needs to speak up. Somebody needs to say, this is, you know, you, don't you see what's really happening? What's really happening is devastation. What's happening is destruction of family life, of human life, of hopes, and of, and of people's dreams. We're living in a time which kind of reflects a verse in Isaiah chapter 59. It says this in verse 15. Truth staggers down the streets. Honesty is nowhere to be found. Put that one on your bathroom mirror. That's the world that we're living in. So maybe somebody needs to make their voice heard, and maybe followers of Jesus don't need to be too shy about doing that. And maybe this world would be a better place if instead of having no standards, because you can do whatever you want. If we recognize that God has given us a guide. And to quote myself from a couple of weeks ago, what if God knows what he's talking about? What if? What if God does know what he's talking about? What if actually starting to go back to some of the absolutes and the foundations of this book would make a difference in individual lives and in our nation? So what we're going to do over the next number of weeks is we're going to talk about absolutes, where it ties in pretty well with the midweek classes we're doing, the foundations classes we're doing on Zoom on Monday nights, don't forget, Tuesday mornings here in person, Wednesday evenings in person, whichever one works for you, any given week. We're going through foundational things for two reasons. One is because we want you to be totally confident of why you believe what you believe, so you won't be shaken by the way things are. And secondly, we want to do everything we can to help you to be able to give a reason for your faith to people who might genuinely ask. So that's why we're kind of doing this two-prong, doing it during the week with our foundations course, we're going to do Sundays for the next few weeks. What I'm going to do on Sundays is I'm going to follow through um, our statement of beliefs as a church. Most of you say, oh, do we have one? Yeah, we do. I mean, this is it in general, but we, come, we, we bring it down to narrow it down. And actually, if you go to our website, genesisli.com, um, 
and hit the About Us tab, you will see that there is a whole thing there that says what we believe. And the first section of that is what we're going to look at today, what we believe about the Bible. Now, here's what it says in our statement of faith, which is very kind of um, scholarly sounding, I think. The sole basis of our belief is the Bible, composed of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. We believe Scripture in its entirety originated with God and that it was given by the Holy Spirit through the writings of chosen men. Scripture speaks with the authority of God while still reflecting the background styles and vocabularies of the human authors God used. We hold the Scriptures are infallible and inerrant in the original manuscripts. They are the unique, full, and final authority on all matters of faith and practice, and there are no other writings similarly inspired by God. So basically what we're, saying, what we're saying there is that this book is the foundation of everything that we believe, which is why it's important we were looking at that this past week in our foundations course. We'll be looking at it again today, and foundations part two on the Bible will be this coming week, because if all we believe rests on this, we've got to be 100% convinced that we can trust this book. Is, is that a fair comment? Right, so I, I've got to be absolutely assured uh, in my own heart and my own mind that, that this is, really is what it says it is. The Bible is the most read book in history. It is, still is, the best-selling book in history, and it's the most translated book in history. Uh, and here's a verse some of you will have heard before uh, in the midweek teachings this week. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says this, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do the right. So where are we going to find some direction from? We're going to find it from the Scriptures that are inspired by God because they will help us to realize if we're going wrong and it will teach us what things in our lives are right. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now, we're not just talking about an inspired writer writing an inspired book. We're talking about the fact that God inspired the writers to put all this down. Some other translations say all Scripture is God-breathed. So what is written here, God inspired writers to set down. It's not just people's ideas. I'll say that again, because you've probably heard plenty of people who say, well, it's just a book of stories. This is not just people's ideas. These are things God wanted to be written down so that we would be able to see what's good in our lives and what's not so good in our lives and would find direction. So what I want to do this morning is I want to run through, and there will be some overlap, I don't apologize for that with what some of you covered midweek, I want to run through six proofs that the Bible is relevant and important to us. And those of you who worship with us regularly will be looking at it now and probably taking side bets on how many of six points I can get through, right? 
All right, so buckle down. It's all right. We're going we're gonna to finish the time we finish because I, I think that's an important thing to do. But, but here's the thing. Six proofs that the Bible really is a solid foundation for us. Number one, the Bible is historically accurate. Uh, not just the doctrine of the Bible, but the history of the Bible. There are stories about real people who lived in real time and who lived in real places. And that's important. Because what gives the Bible its credibility, one of the things is this. It was written by people who knew what they were talking about. Now, you'll read that Moses led the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. He brought them to the edge of the Red Sea, and, and they were all freaked out because the Egyptian army was right behind them. There was nowhere to go, and God opened up the Red Sea before them. That gives a lot of people some real problems. It's like they've got to find a way to try to explain that. Isn't it easier sometimes to say, God just did something special? Right? But if you haven't got a God, or if you haven't got a God you think is capable of doing something special, you've got to find other reasons for it. Like, well, at that time of year, the Red Sea was at a very low ebb. So they went through. And I look at that and I think, that's marvelous, because just after they went through that very shallow water, Pharaoh's army drowned in it. Right? It's like, I'd rather believe what the Bible says, but who wrote the Bible account? I tell you who wrote the Bible account, Moses. Word is, he was there. It's an eyewitness account. Or you take the history of Israel a little bit further when the children of Israel went into the promised land and they, and they took the city of Jericho and there was this whole miraculous event where the, the walls of Jericho just fell down. It's like, yeah, really? By the way, archaeologists not so many years ago found the ruins of the old city of Jericho. And you know what they found? The walls had all sunk into the ground. I'll tell you one more feature, except for one small segment. And if you know the Bible, there's a woman called Rahab who helped the children of Israel out. And she said, promise me my family will be safe. And she was told, yeah, your family will be safe. And the whole of the walls of Jericho were found. And they had all sunk except for this bit where there was one house in the wall. Who wrote about Jericho? Well, we all know. Well, we all know who was there, right? It was Joshua at the Battle of Jericho, right? But Joshua wrote the account for the Bible. It was eyewitnesses who wrote the accounts of what was happening in the Bible. Matthew writes about the resurrection of Jesus. How does he know about it? He was around. He saw all the stuff that was going on. John saw it. Peter saw it. You say, where's Peter's book? Well, Peter dictated Mark's gospel to Mark, and Mark wrote it down. He wasn't one of the original 12. So the Bible, you know, the test of history is, are the people who recorded this reliable people? Answer, yes, they are. And another thing is this. Another test of history is, since it's been passed down from thousands of years from manuscript to manuscript, how do we know that it was done in a reliable way? I'm, you know, you might have heard people say, I'm sure it was right when it was first written down. But of course, you know, they made all kinds of mistakes probably in doing it. But the fact is, copying the manuscripts throughout history 
was looked upon as a painstaking thing. Let, let, me, let me just ask you this. Some of you have been around perhaps church life forever. I am... Um, like the other day, I was in a, in a situation where I was reading the 23rd Psalm. Now, I pulled it up on my phone, but I actually didn't really need it there because I could say it all. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, right? You, you know, but I bring it up on my phone because when you get to a certain age, you don't trust your memory, <laughs> right? Because I know this. I mean, I've known this. I memorized this as a kid in school, but I know this. But, but here's the thing. If there were people copying manuscripts to make another copy, let's say of the 23rd Psalm, they weren't allowed to just write it down because they knew it. They were to copy letter by letter and go back to the original, check the letter, write the next letter. And then when they got to the end of doing that with a whole book of the Bible, they already knew how many of each letter were in that book. So imagine, let's imagine you would transcribe Psalm 119, right? The longest one there is. And you transcribe the whole of Psalm 119, but you would know how many T's, letter T's, are in Psalm 119. So you would go back through it, your copy, and count how many T's. And if it wasn't the right number, you weren't allowed to just correct it. You had to throw away what you'd just written painstakingly by hand, taking weeks and weeks to do, and start all over again. Pinpoint accuracy was essential in translating the Scriptures. They were exact in every way. The Bible is historically accurate, written by people who were there, and then copied by people who were meticulous. The second thing I want to underline today is the Bible is prophetically accurate. There are thousands of times in the Bible where God says, this is going to happen. And sometimes He says, this is going to happen at such and such a time. And there are thousands of those prophecies that have been fulfilled, and some of them are yet to be fulfilled. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible predicting the coming of Jesus, how He would be born, how He would live, how He would die, what would happen next. They were written something like up to a thousand years before He was born. Now, they said where He'd be born, how He'd be born. Now, let me say this. Jesus, born as Son of God, didn't actually at that point have a lot of control over these things. But they all happened as had been said. A virgin will have a son. Bethlehem in the land of Judah is mentioned. Out of Nazareth I've called my son is the prophecy because they went then to live in Nazareth. 300 prophecies about the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus are fulfilled. What are the odds of me making 300 predictions about your life? and one of them coming true, right? 300 predictions. A thousand years before Jesus came and died, David in some of the Psalms painted a picture of death by crucifixion. The only thing is in David's day, there was no such thing as crucifixion. They didn't do it. So he is describing something happening to Jesus that he had never seen for himself. And that prophecy 
came true. The reason, 2 Peter 1 verse 21, prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In fact, you know, in the Bible times, nobody dared be a prophet. I've, I've run into a bunch of folks nowadays, it seems to be the next level of self-elevation, that you call yourself a prophet instead of a pastor. And um, nobody wanted to be a prophet in Bible times, because you know, if you, if you predicted something and it didn't happen, they stoned you to death. How about that? That's why I predict nothing. I don't even know what the weather's going to do tomorrow, okay? I'm, I, 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 I'm playing it safe. But, but, but all these predictions about Christ, about His birth, about His life, about His death, all of them came true. Remember when Jesus was arrested the night of His crucifixion? Peter took a sword and he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. And, and Jesus said this in Matthew 26. He said, put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I can't call on my Father and He will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Jesus knew what the Scripture said. He knew what was ahead of Him. He knew He needed to lay down His life for you and I. And you know what? They couldn't just fight off the Romans that came to arrest Him. And, 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 and kill them. That wasn't the way. The Scriptures had to be fulfilled. The Bible is prophetically accurate. Then the Bible is thematically unified. We've got some big words today. You good still? All right. The Bible is thematically unified. I know you're good. It's just that I'm not. All right. It has the same theme running through the book from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. And I tell you what that theme is, it's the redemption of fallen mankind. And that's the theme of the Bible right the way through. It was written over a period of 1,600 years. It was written by 40 different authors. They lived on three different continents. It's written in three different languages. It was written by people, many of whom, most of whom didn't even know each other, but they all got the same concept, the same idea. They were all telling the same story even though it wasn't collected together in one book till a thousand years after they died. The same story, that God wants to redeem fallen people and bring them back into relationship with Him. That's the Bible, from many places, many people, many centuries. And yet they fit together as a unified theme. Jesus said this in Luke 24, 27. It says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. The whole message through the Bible is salvation, redemption through Christ. The star of this book is Jesus. And if you look, you'll see Him through every one of the 66 books of the Bible. Jesus said this in John 5, 39. He said to the religious leaders, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me. The Bible is thematically unified. It's about Jesus. And then here's a real simple one. The Bible's confirmed by Jesus. So we try to keep things like real down to earth here at Genesis, right? 
This is not a theological seminary. It's a church for people that are on the journey. So let me put that as simple as this. I believe the Bible because Jesus believed the Bible. Now, if you were a skeptic, you'd say that's a cop-out. You can call it what you like. Jesus believed the Bible. And here's, here's, here's the thing. If it was good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. If he said the Bible is the, what it says it is, then I believe the Bible is what he said it is what it says it is. And, and Jesus trusted the Bible. He quoted the Bible himself, the Old Testament scriptures, over and over again. And here's what he said in Matthew 5, 18. For truly, I tell you, till heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law, that's the Old Testament scriptures, till everything is accomplished. And then there's a statement he makes in John 10, 35, as simple as this. He says, Scripture doesn't lie. Scripture doesn't lie. The foundation for what we believe is this. Jesus said, this book doesn't lie. And that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. He said every word and every sentence is not only true, but he said that it will not become irrelevant. That's important. The Bible is more relevant in 2022 than most people realize. It's as relevant to today as it ever has been. And at some point, we pray that people will come to realize that if you bring your life into compliance with God's direction, it doesn't end your life it doesn't spoil your life. It doesn't make your life miserable. But when you start to live by this book, you find real life. Amen. Right? Amen. And there are, there are a few hundred of us here today who would testify to that. And there are millions of people worldwide who would testify to that as well. Jesus in Luke 11, 28, said this, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus trusted it, so I can. And then there's a, a couple of quick things. I love this one. The, the, here's one of the miracles about the Bible. The Bible has survived all attacks against it. Some of you might have read in, in some of the Christian media this week that uh, a man who was known by the name of Brother Andrew that he went to be with the Lord. Now, you've got to be a certain age to remember who Brother Andrew is. So, if you're under 96, you won't know. No, no, he was kind of, he was my era in my young days. And Brother Andrew's big mission and ministry was he smuggled Bibles into countries where they were banned. China, Romania, the USSR. And he spent years of his life smuggling them in. Brother Andrew said, I always pray this, God, you opened blind eyes and made them seeing. Please close seeing eyes and make them blind to what I'm carrying. And, 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 and he, if, if you ever want to read, it's, a, it's an old, old book. Lord knows if you find it. God's Smuggler by Brother Andrew. But here's the thing. People tried to keep the Bible out. People have destroyed the Bible. People have burned the Bible. People have banned the Bible. But guess what I've got in my hand today? I got the book. You know, I've still got the book. 
because the Bible has been perhaps miraculously preserved. It has survived all attacks. It's still the most read book in the world. It's still the most published book in the world. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. One of the stories I love to tell is the, the French philosopher Voltaire, who was an atheist uh, and who wrote a number of pamphlets deriding the Bible. He said, 100 years from today, the Bible will be a forgotten book. Here's the thing. Everybody's forgotten his quote. <laughs> Nobody's forgotten this book. I'll tell you another thing. I'll tell you another thing. I love this. I love this. After Voltaire died for the next almost 100 years, his house was used as a depot by the French Bible Society. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that. I love that. It's like, hey, God gets the last word. Amen. Here it is. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. 1 Peter 1, 24. All people are like grass. All their glories like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. God's word is endured. And, and part of that is miraculous because people have done their best to get rid of it. But the truth will always be the truth. And I'm going to tell you this, whether you believe it or not, the truth will still always be the truth. I could say, I, you know, I could say, I believe the moon is made of cheese. And I could say that as long as I like, but it wouldn't change the fact the moon's made of rock. We know that. We brought rocks back from the moon, not me personally, but we brought rocks back from the moon. And no matter how much I say that I believe the moon is made of cheese, it doesn't change it. It's still made out of rock. And no matter how much people say, well, you know, I should be able to do this, or this is that, or that's the other, or life's this way, and life's that way. You can say it all you want, but I'll tell you something. This is the word that will never pass away. Amen. You can say wrong is right, but it don't make it right. I read about a bumper sticker one day that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now that sounds good, but it's not. Here's what it should say. God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. That's the truth, right? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, no, take yourself out of that equation. God said it, that settles it, folks. Now, whether I believe it or not, that still settles it. If I'm trying to say wrong's right, you know what? It, what God said is what goes. And, and God gave us this book so we would find life. It is the creator's manual for us. Don't be shy about saying the Bible says. Don't be shy about your faith. Don't be fooled by the attitude of our society nowadays, which is, well, we let people do what they want. It's their choice. You know what? People will do what they want anyway. But it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. 
And then let me say this, number six, I want you to note this date in history where I got through six points in a teaching. All right, number six, here's how I know the Bible's for real. The Bible has transforming power. Nothing can change the lives of people like the Bible. And I'm, I'm just looking around here this morning. You can't make out a lot with the way the lights are and they're bright up here, but I'm just looking around and seeing person after person after person. I know some of your story, and this applies to you. The Bible has transformed your life. The Bible is transforming our lives. God is shaping us more and more into His own likeness. In the course of the years, we've been blessed to serve in this area and going out from this area. There are probably several thousand people who would recognize the fact that God's promises and God's Word has changed their lives. If if, if, if I thought you could change human life by laws, I'd be an attorney. But you can't. You can't. All the laws in the world won't change a human heart. Only God can do that. In John 8, 31, Jesus said this, to the Jews who had believed in him, it says, Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, probably everybody here knows the, the end part of that verse, right? The truth will set you free, right? The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. We know that. The truth will set you free. You will find that at some educational institutes, institutions right around this country. They'll have it engraved in stone on their building. The truth will set you free. But you've got you've to remember the first part of that statement that Jesus made. He said, if you hold to my teaching, the truth will set you free. Whose truth sets you free? God's truth sets you free. That's where freedom is found. Freedom is found in embracing God's truth. The truth will set you free. God's truth will set you free. One of our absolutes the first of our absolutes that everything else stands on is we believe this book is the inspired Word of God. Amen. We believe it. There are good reasons why we believe it. And the most personal reason is because I know what God's promises have done to me, have meant to me, and I know, I know this book can be trusted. And you might be here this Sunday morning and uh, you might be in a place where your life's not going the way you thought it would go. And you're in a situation or you're going through stuff that you never saw coming your way and life just isn't working out for you. And my encouragement to you is take a step back and ask yourself the question, should I be or could I be doing life God's way instead of my way. And Sunday, this Sunday, would be a really good day for you to make that commitment to God and say, God, I'm taking my hands off things. Please teach me to do life your way, following you, following your word. Let's stand and pray together, please.